Okay, so if you've got a Bible with you, you might like to turn to Genesis chapter 28. And uh, just to explain, in fact, I'll just quickly say, uh, we're going to be reading from verse 10 of 28, which is on page 23 of these Bibles. And uh, just to explain what, what this little passage is all about. It's the moment where Jacob, who is someone who's had an unmerited blessing from God, uh, uh, he's on a journey and he has a dream. And the reason why we're reading out this little dream that Jacob has is because actually it's very similar to the dream, in some senses, that God's been giving to us as a church over the last little while. So let's read Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Gosh, I should have brought my glasses. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said this, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you and I'll watch over you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Okay. And hopefully over the next little while you'll start to understand why those words are significant for us as a church. Let's first of all ask the question, where have we been as a church? What is, what's gone before this moment today? Uh, and um, uh, first of all... Uh, City Church is a combination of churches in a way. Uh, In 1993, October the 3rd, 1993, two churches became one church, Abbey and Cornerstone, two groups of believers who shared a similar passion, a similar heart, similar values, decided, hang on a minute, why are we meeting in two different places when we could be one church meeting in one place, serving one God and worshipping one God? Uh, And uh, I think there's something powerfully prophetic about that in a nation where uh, actually the, the, the norm is for churches to fall out with each other, for people to fall out with each other within churches uh, and to split off and form new churches and new denominations. There's something powerful uh, right at the heart of our DNA, which is about the local church loving one another, being united together to do stuff uh, and to serve God and to spread the, the good news of the kingdom wherever we go. Uh, I also love hearing stories about the early days uh, and even before the early days, in a sense, with Abbey and Cornerstone, where... Uh, and I wasn't around then, but I hear stories about um, a, a passion to serve the poor in the city uh, and uh, uh, times of real intimacy in worship and, and, and a real hunger for more of God's presence and more of his power and more of his word uh, and uh, uh, just a real desire to seek God and to see him at work, which I love. And, and to be honest, all of those things are still city church. That is the core of who we are. That is our DNA and it will never change. Um, uh, I suppose, as with any church, there are ups and downs. Uh, and uh, if you've been around for a long time, then you'll maybe be able to look back and see some of the downs as well as the ups. But the truth is that God's been faithful to us as a church. Uh, and God's been with us. And uh, 
uh, about five years ago, something like that, uh, the leadership of the church as it was then, which was a group of about 14 elders at that point, started to seek God and say, God, will you please give us a, a fresh sense of purpose in the church? And will you give us uh, an idea of how this thing should all move forward? Surely, God, surely there must be more than this. Uh, and um, asking really big questions about who we were, where we were going, who was leading the church, how they were leading the church, and all those kinds of things. And uh, what resulted from that time was what our friend Paul Reed from Belfast, who was there at the time, he said, this is a divine moment. Uh, and it was an opportunity in God to see something different for our church. And um, the truth is that over the last four or five years, uh, we've been in the grip of God's grace as a church. And uh, extraordinary things have happened. Uh, I mean, it's not only the fact that our church is so much bigger than it was before, and nearly every single area of our church, every single ministry is bigger than it was before and involves more people than it did before. Uh, Loads of people have become Christians. And God's presence has been with us in a really lovely way. Uh, And um, I know some people would kind of, uh, you know, if they were in leadership of a church like that, they'd think, right, I should write a book about that or I should uh, go on the conference circuit and tell other people about how we've done what we've done but the honest truth is I don't know that we could point to anything and say oh yeah that was the thing that we did that made all the difference because the honest truth is that we've been in the grip of God's grace and the only response to being in the grip of God's grace is not to uh, get proud actually the very opposite is the case as leaders of this church uh, I keep trying to to avoid using the word fear, but I kind of think that that is an appropriate word. We've been afraid of, um, you know, Lord, please don't let us muck this up. Please don't let us get in the way. Please don't let us do something that would hinder the grace that's in this place. And um, there's been all kinds of little signs from God to show that it's him at work and not us. You know, people who've been walking past the church and just come in and said, could I become a Christian, please? It's like, you know, that just doesn't happen. And, and actually, even just as I'm speaking, I can think of more than three occasions where that's literally happened. Someone's walked past the church and said, uh, hello, could I come in? I, I just feel like I really need Jesus. Would it be possible to become a Christian right now? And it's like, oh, sorry, I'm a bit busy right now, you know? It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, it talks about leaders. And it says, uh, leaders are people who keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And the truth is that as leaders in this church, we are profoundly aware that one day we'll stand before God and we'll have to give an account for what we did. For what this church did and for what we as leaders did, how we lived uh, and what we said and what we thought and what we put into action. And so uh, what I'm going to be speaking about today is absolutely not a kind of a, a thing we thought up on the spare of a moment or, you know, a little bit of a whim that was like, oh, well, that'd be fun to try that. If it doesn't work, never mind. It's absolutely the opposite of that. What we're bringing to you today is, um, in all sincerity, what we believe that God is asking of us as a church and what we're wanting to say is really can we encourage you in the strongest possible terms to 
hear God for yourselves about this stuff and then to join in and get on board in every way that you possibly can. And it's important that you hear the change of tone from uh, things we've said previously. You know, we've tried to buy a few buildings over the last little while, and I'll come on to that in a second. But when we tried to buy buildings in the past, what we said uh, was, uh, um, this building is here, Uh, it seems pretty good for us, we wonder whether it might be God's provision for us, Please, will you pray and we'll see whether it is. You know, a kind of, we wonder whether it might. Uh, And that's not what we're saying today. There's a difference in tone, hopefully, with what we're saying today, which is, actually, as a leadership team, we believe that we, as far as it's possible to know and to hear from God, knowing that we hear God in part and all of that stuff, uh, we believe that we've heard from God. Uh, and, And we believe that God is speaking to us as a church and that we need to respond to what it is that he's saying to us. So hopefully you'll hear that difference. Um, okay, where are we now? Um, the church has grown very rapidly over the last four years in particular. In 2008, the church was roughly 150 people, uh, about 100 adults and 50 children and young people, something like that. Uh, and over the last four years, the church has grown. So it's about four times the size it was four years ago. So it's about 400 adults uh, and 200 children and young people, something like that. And uh, the truth is that one of my main concerns over the last little while, the last three years or so, and probably I shouldn't have been as concerned as I have been about it, is where are we going to put everyone? You know, what are we going to do when we run out of space? Uh, And I remember having a conversation with our friend Paul Reed in Belfast and saying, Crikey, you should have been here last Sunday. It was like there were people sitting right on the back of the balcony. We just don't know what to do. And he was saying, do you find that that you have a really busy Sunday like that? And then you're kind of thinking, wow, this is going to be amazing next week. If it keeps growing at this rate, it would be amazing and, and all of that. And do you find that then you get to the next week and it's like, oh, where did everybody go? And I was like, yeah, that happens all the time. And he said, do you know why that is? He said, what happens is people come along. Sometimes it's the first time they've been in church for 10 or 20 years. They'll come along to your church. They'll struggle to find a space. They'll be crushed in amongst everybody and they'll think, I'm never going back there again. We need to not find ourselves in that situation. And so over the last little while, we've tried all kinds of things to try to make space. Uh, The first thing we did was we looked at knocking down this wall, believe it or not, uh, and we're still awaiting planning permission for this extension to this building here. Um, uh, And we went quite a long way down the line with that, uh, and then we got, kind of got a second opinion on some stuff, and it turned out that it was going to cost more than £1.8 million to do it. And we decided that that was prohibitively expensive. And so we didn't do that. And then we tried to buy a casino on Market Street. Uh, and um, that was going to cost $1.3 million, which was a mere snip. You know? And uh, we didn't manage to do that either, even though there was no real good reason why we didn't. Uh, and then we tried to buy a warehouse over by Union Square. And uh, even though we offered the highest bid, we didn't get that either. Uh, and so uh, uh, last summer-ish, we started to say, Lord, 
is, is, are you trying to say something here? What is it you're wanting to do? And we felt like, and we said this at the time, we felt like God was speaking to us through Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, uh, the Apostle Paul and his friends, they try to get into the province of Asia and the Holy Spirit says no. And then they try to get into uh, this place called Bithynia and the Holy Spirit says no. And then they have a, uh, Paul has this vision of the Macedonian man beckoning him. Uh, and, and it's a very clear signal from God that that's the way that he should go. And we were kind of in that place of, Lord, is this what you're doing amongst us? Are you trying to prevent us from having one large central building and are you trying to show us that you've got something else for us and uh, during that time there was a whole bunch of prophetic words and pictures and people were giving me scraps of paper and text messages and emails of things they felt God saying Uh, and it was absolutely clear at that time uh, that God was saying that we should become one church that meets in two places and so that's what we did in, in uh, a little while. Uh, there'll be another group of people down in Leadside Road who will start their worship. And then when I finish speaking here, I'll go over and tell them all about it as well. Uh, and, um, and so the 30th of October last year was when we started our Leadside adventure. And uh, it hasn't done everything that we hoped it would, but it has been brilliant. Uh, And if you haven't been along there, I'd totally suggest that you do. Uh, One of the main things that happened as a result of us opening up another place of worship was that suddenly our body became more healthy. You know, suddenly loads more people who weren't doing anything uh, to serve God in this place before. Suddenly they're all serving God in different ways. And people who had been sitting there, sometimes for, for a couple of weeks, sometimes for years, suddenly went, oh, you need me. You know, even though we'd been saying every week, here's another thing you could do, we desperately need people to do stuff. Uh, Somehow it communicated, we need more people to do more stuff. And so it's a really common occurrence now that you go along to Leadside Road, you're welcomed at the door by people who you hardly recognise. They pour you a coffee and you think, my gosh, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen you before. It's been brilliant. We've become a missionary family. We've become a family of people who uh, are gathered around God's mission and we just want to do stuff together. It's been fantastic. Okay, I'm losing my place in my notes. Um, and so pretty much every team has grown. The worship team's grown. The mad team, the welcome team, the breakfast tub, tub clean, the breakfast club team. Uh, there's more people speaking. There's more people leading services and all of that stuff. And there's a real sense of our family doing mission together. Um, So we started looking at Greyfriars Parish Church, and over the last little while, uh, we've been trying quite hard to buy Greyfriars Parish Church, which is on the end of Marshall College. And so three months ago, we put an offer in, which wasn't accepted by the Church of Scotland. Then we put another offer in, and that wasn't accepted either. And they're trying to, in all fairness, maximise their assets. They're trying to get the best possible return for their their building. but uh, what's happened recently is it's been put back on the market and re-advertised at a, a rate that's still too high uh, for what we believe it's worth. Uh, and uh, it does seem like the door is shut at least for the next months or even years. It may well come to us eventually. The other thing that's happened recently is that we, as part of the, the um, 
process of bidding for this building, we, we went to four different mortgage companies and we asked them to lend us some money to help us do this thing. And out of the four mortgage companies, three of them turned us down flat and said either we're not lending to churches uh, or uh, we're not lending to you because we don't think you can afford it or whatever. And then the final... Uh, mortgage company said to us well we might lend you some money but you have to prove uh, that for three years you've been able to afford the mortgage already and you have to pay a sizable deposit so for for now it does seem like the door to Greyfriars Church is closed uh, and that's kind of where we're sat right now okay so where are we going let me just uh, say God has been putting a vision in our hearts And it's a church that kind of exists right now, but it's bigger than the church that exists right now, and it does more stuff. And over the last year or so, it's it's been like God has been performing surgery on the vision that's within us, and just kind of stretching it, and enlarging it, and uh, increasing our sense of what's possible before God. Uh, And so we're now at the point where, and this is really kind of the nub of it all, we believe that God is asking us to become a church that meets not just in two places, but in lots of places. And that meets not just in this city, but all over this region. So let's just put that up. One church meeting in many places. Um, And uh, so what we're saying is that it would be one church in in exactly the same way as we currently meet in Leadside Road and here. Same worship, same teaching, same kids' work, same coffee, same welcome t-shirts it's going to feel like city church in all the places but it's just more than two places Uh, and in fact what we believe God's asking of us is to start four new sites over the next few years Um, let's just be clear for a moment about what we're saying this is not church planting this is not okay you lot off you go and you go and start your own independent autonomous church this is our church doing mission together. And it's, you know, uh, Taryn and I will be the leaders of the whole church. The CLT will be the CLT of the whole church. Uh, the MAD ministry will be the same across all of the sites, the worship team. This is, this is just one family meeting in lots of different places at the same time. And uh, each service will have the... Um, fortune or misfortune depending on how you look at it of hearing me speak regularly at all of the sites and and probably it it won't take you very long to realize that the maths doesn't really work after a while you know I I preach roughly half of the time uh, at our two two sites at the moment uh, and um, you can't preach roughly half of the time at six so what we're looking at is a model that is mostly uh, people speaking in the flesh live uh, but sometimes we're looking at connecting sites together using video technology of some sort uh, so that we can share stuff together and go on a common journey together we don't know the detail of that yet we're also saying that we would employ a pastor for each place and uh, that they would be responsible for forwarding and leading the mission and, and the ministry in, in that place, uh, and that they would preach regularly and, and in, a, in a more locally focused way in that place. Um, so that's that. And then, the, I suppose, to go one further, we also sense that God's asking us to start the first of these new sites in January. 
um, and to be in the south of the city somewhere, most likely somewhere near Stonehaven, that's the kind of area we're thinking, uh, and for it to be led by James and Tory Juice. And more on that later on. And then over time, to start sites also, uh, you know, new places of ministry and mission uh, out to the west of the city, to the northwest. Don't, I'm not being a weather forecaster here, don't follow my hand. Uh, northwest and also to the north of the city at some point over the next few years. Um, this maybe will help some people to understand what I'm talking about. I've been thinking a lot recently about the story of the Tower of Babel. And in the story of the Tower of Babel, God's people uh, gather together all in one place and they try to build upwards towards God. And the reason why that was the wrong thing to do is God didn't call them to build upwards, he called them to spread out. Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. That was the deal. And they, they decided not to do that. They decided to all stay in one place and try and build upwards. What God's asking of us as a church is to spread outwards, to, to take influence over a greater geographical area. Okay, so uh, next slide then. It's a vision that will include all of us. This is absolutely not about those of us who live out in the Shire having lots of fun doing stuff and people who live in the city centre uh, just carrying on as normal. That is not the deal. This is a vision that includes all of us. All of us will be involved in making this work. And um, just to explain a little bit, uh, at Imagine, our youth festival this summer, I had a chat with someone who's not part of this church, and they were telling me about a a picture that they'd had of a tree that had been um, carefully dug out of the ground and then shaken so the soil came off the roots and then really beautifully replanted in some clean earth. And we sense that that is a a picture that is for us as a church, that that's what God's doing. All of us are, in a sense, being replanted as a church, uh, including the city centre. And let me just say a little bit about that. Um, I sometimes, not all the time, go to the Noosa Monkey across the road. This is a pub, and I go there to have lunch sometimes. Um, I'm not propping up the bar every night till midnight or anything like that. But uh, anyone, anyone not know where the Noosa Monkey is? Okay, it's, it's almost directly across the road. And three times in the last few months, I've had a conversation with the staff there, and the, the conversation has gone exactly the same. Do you, they've said, do you work in the theatre? I don't know whether to take that as an insult or a compliment, but <laughs> do, you, do you work in the theatre? And I've said, no, I work in the church across the road. Oh, what church is that? City Church. Oh, I've not heard of that. Where is that? Well, it's across the road. Uh, If you look out of your window, you can almost see it across the viaduct there. Big blue letters, City Church. Oh, I'm not sure I've ever noticed that. What road's it in? Gilcomston Park. Where's that? Directly across the road. You know, it just goes round and round and round. The serious point is, even though God's favour has been with us and we have grown, most of this city have no idea that we're here. And that has to change. And so all of us are going to be included in this vision. The second thing is, it's a vision that will involve all of us. Um, it, do, it probably doesn't take very long to figure out that actually uh, this vision is right on the edge of what is possible. And it will only work if, number one, if God's in it, 
And number two, it will only work if every single one of us figures out our place in it all and and puts our hand to the plough and gets involved. And it won't work if 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And it won't work even if 80% of the people do 80% of the work. 100% of us have to do 100% of the work. We all have to try and figure out what is our, what is our place in it all. Um, and lastly, it's a vision that will cost all of us. This way of doing church is harder and better. And it's going to cost all of us time, and it's going to cost us energy, and also it's going to cost us money. It's more expensive in terms of the weekly cost to do church over more sites. And so what we're doing is we're going to speak about this stuff in different ways for four weeks, and then on the fourth week, which is the 7th of October, we're going to have a gift day, and we're going to ask people to give uh, generously and sacrificially to make this happen. It's not going to be 1.8 million. Uh, It's not going to be even 1.3 million, but it is going to be hundreds of thousands of pounds. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, What we're asking for is two things. First of all, uh, do you know, in a funny kind of way, we've been waiting for a raid your piggy banks moment for some years, haven't we? We've been kind of on the edge of that. This is the raid your piggy banks moment. If you have savings or assets or whatever... um, This is your moment to bring that before God and say, God, which of these savings do you want me to give towards this project? Uh, And uh, we're going to be, all of us, you know, going into our attics and seeing what we can gum tree uh, and um, selling our family pets and, and you know, some of us will sell a kidney or two. We're going to try and give uh, in in one-off gifts as much as we possibly can. But then also we realise, and this is certainly the case for Taryn and I, and I'm sure it's the same for lots of people, you know, we don't really have any savings to speak of. And so what we're asking is that each one of us, regardless of what our income is, would um, ask God whether we should commit to a, a, a three-year pledge, a monthly pledge, that is over and above our regular giving to the church, that actually surprisingly mounts up to a significant amount over time. For many of us, and I'll speak about these, where have I put it? I'm going to give out uh, these booklets later on which explain all about what we're saying. And within there, there's a gift card. For many of us, the number that we put in that box will be the largest single number that we've ever given to anything in our lives, which is very exciting. Okay. So we've called this vision Spreading Life Together. And let me just explain a little bit about that. Uh, spreading is a bit of an odd word, isn't it? You know, it's the kind of word where if you say it a few times, it starts to sound like a made-up word. But actually, spreading is a deeply biblical word. And it describes exactly what God does when he blesses his people. Whenever God blessed the people right throughout the whole of the Bible, they multiplied and spread. And we see that in the passage I read earlier on in Genesis 28. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. Isaiah 54 as well. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And that's an idea that deeply resonates with us that as God blesses us as a church, we'll multiply 
and will spread out. And the geographical area that we uh, take influence over will grow over time, just as it did in the Bible. But also, uh, the word spreading describes something that God does, uh, that we do, that God gives us responsibility for. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us, listen to this, uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. And so God is asking us to begin to see not just this city, but this whole region as our parish. And uh, he's telling us that the destiny of the people who live in our enlarged parish is inextricably linked to our own destiny. God's calling us to spread out. He's causing us to spread life together. This is not only about worshipping in different places, it's about spreading life. And that means putting the gospel in front of every single man, woman and child in this entire region. I don't think we feel the weight of the reality that there must be more than 400,000 people in this region who don't know Jesus. And we have a responsibility to try to change the eternal destiny of as many people as we possibly can. And so God is asking us to put the gospel out there as much as we can. But also God is asking us to help people with their lives now as well as in the future. And uh, right throughout this region there are people who are struggling in their marriages, people who are struggling with their parenting, people whose families are on their last legs, people who are hungry or who don't have enough clothes or who have nowhere to live. And God is asking us to serve every community. This is not just about just, you know, bussing ourselves into a a, a place, setting up a nice little pop-up church and then disappearing again. This is about doing mission in each place where where we go. And taking little cuttings of the Alpha course and mainly music and the parenting course and all those other things and planting them into new places so that we spread life wherever we go. And lastly, God is asking us to spread life together. God is shaping us to be a missionary family. And this is the exact opposite of us becoming a fragmented church. This is God uniting us together as a people and trying to reach as many people as we possibly can. Okay, how much is all this going to cost then? Um, Let me just say before I put any numbers up on the screen um, how we arrived at the numbers which will appear. We want to do this, in fact, this will only work if we do it really, really well. And it has to feel like City Church in every place we go. It won't be good enough to send some, you know, a small group of people out with an acoustic guitar and some fuzzy felt and just say, there you go, off you go, have a good time. That's not good enough. It has to be the same great worship, teaching, ministry, mission as what goes on in the city centre if this is going to work. And to do the same kind of thing, it costs the same kind of money. You know, if it costs X pounds per head to run lifestyle or to run our kids' work or to run Sunday services here, then we've got to spend similar kind of money to do it out there. And so what we've done is we've figured out how much would it cost to start a site, to start a place of worship and ministry and mission 
for a year. So we've got to buy all of their equipment. We've got to pay all their running costs. And Mark Forbes and Adrienne Purdy have gone through, uh, you know, this is bin bags, masking tape, little communion cups, Bibles that we give out, as well as staffing costs and, and salaries and, and employers' national insurance contributions and all that kind of stuff. So this is everything, inflation, everything. And uh, what we're doing is we're saying we, we, we want to take an offering to support each one of those places for the first year. Let's put up that first cost. Okay, so we would have to, for each place, buy equipment, which costs, uh, we bought it for Leadside Road, so we know roughly what it costs, it's about £20,000. We need to buy or or hire a van for each place to transport all the stuff in, that's about £3,000. The running cost, it costs about £1,500 per month to run Leadside at the moment, so that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Staff costs, we're talking about putting a full-time pastor into each place, also having a part-time administrator, and also adding to our finance resources as well. Uh, And also, we're talking about giving enough money to run the Alpha course and mainly music and everything else that we need to do. So the cost of doing that for each place for a year is £93,000. Obviously, the following year will be less because you don't have to buy a van and you don't have to buy... PA and all of that stuff, but it will still be a significant amount of money. So £93,000 times by four, click. Uh, And then on top of that, uh, what we don't want is to have a situation where everyone out there is having a whale of a time, but the city centre is neglected. And so what we're saying is, in the same way as we would have a a pastor who's responsible for uh, a site to the south or a site to the north, we would also employ a pastor who would be specifically responsible for what happens here and also some other costs as well. Uh, And that's not, by the way, none of these staff costs are salary, you know, we, we don't pay our staff. £37,000, just, just so you know. Uh, and, then, uh, uh, and then we're also adding, obviously, to make this work, we need to take on more people to help resource the, the children's ministry. Uh, and so there's a, a cost in there for that as well. So that's £74,000. And when you add that all together, you get the number of £446,000. Um, which is, on the one hand, a huge amount of money. And on the, on, the other hand, on the other hand, we believe that God is asking us to give sacrificially and generously towards this thing. And if he's in it, he will provide and release the resources necessary to pay for it. So that's what we're going to do. So we need to give and pledge on October the 7th, £446,000 say it quick, it doesn't sound like very much money. Okay, why are we doing this? First of all, we're doing it because we're clear that it's what God is asking of us. Uh, And um, it's been amazing, actually, to gather together all of the different prophetic words that people have given us over the last years. Uh, And and people have given us on scraps of paper and text messages and Facebook messages uh, all kinds of words and pictures and, and uh, verses of scripture. And when you put all of those together, actually we believe that there are at least 24 separate prophetic words that lead us to believe that this is what God's asking of us. Uh, going back to 2006. 
on top of that, and if none of that was true, we would still be doing this because as a leadership team of seven, each of us is absolutely clear that we've heard God individually about this stuff and we believe that God has spoken to us. And if I could go one further and say that Taryn and I in particular, um, this summer just gone and also the summer before that, had moments whilst we were on holiday where we heard God with real clarity and we believed that it was just a remarkable moment in God both times. So uh, we believe that the whole church has heard God through all these prophetic words. We believe that as a leadership team we've heard God. And also, and this is maybe the most remarkable thing of all, we came across, or we were given actually recently, the original vision document, the original founding document for City Church when Abbey and Cornerstone first, Cornerstone first came together in 1993. Uh, and in there is our vision. And I didn't realise at all the extent to which it was in there. So there's all this stuff in there about being a church for the city, the region, the nation and the nations. And there's a whole lot of stuff in there about being one church that meets in uh, what they called area churches all around this region. Sometimes meeting together to have a good shindig, you know, a good time of worship together, often meeting locally on Sundays. And we believe that what God's doing is bringing us back to what he originally said and asking us to do it. Okay, so we believe that God is asking us to do it. Secondly, we're doing it because people matter. There are lots of people who belong to this church who travel for miles and miles to be here. Uh, Some people travel 30 or 40 miles to worship with us on a Sunday and that is amazing. But even if you're willing to travel for nearly an hour to get here. Your non-Christian friends and neighbours are not. And the reason I know that is because we've done that. We've invited our friends and neighbours to come to our church. And some of them have. And some of them have become Christians. Some of them have come to the Alpha course, to parenting stuff. Some of them have joined our church for a while, but they've never stayed. And the reason is because it's too far to come. And I know it's not just the the same for us. I know that having spoken to loads of other people and having the same conversation again and again and again, I know that we have to take church to where people are if we're going to reach them for Jesus. People matter. I'm living with this sentence at the moment. Life is short and eternity is long. We have a very short window to communicate the love of God to people. And so we need to do everything that we possibly can, and that's why we're doing this thing. Um, Secondly, people matter. And lastly, because it's a strategic alternative to a bigger and better building. I don't in honesty know what I thought was going to happen. You know, we buy a big warehouse down by Union Square, and then God continues to add, as he has been, you know, 100 people or so every year. How long does it take before we fill that building up? And then what do we do? Buy another one? Buy a bigger one? Just keep going, buying bigger buildings. Do you know, in some ways, I think that's probably what they did in generations gone by. And some of those massive buildings that would have seated thousands of people are now nightclubs and bars. Wouldn't it be better to put our money into ministry, into serving and loving people, to communicate the gospel to people, than ending up with this huge building in the city centre? Okay. Next steps. 
what are we going to do now? Let me just highlight some things. Uh, first of all, we're calling the church to pray and to fast. Uh, and um, it, as part of this booklet that we're going to give out later on, uh, half of it is a prayer and fasting card. And we're asking you to pray for a whole bunch of stuff that's on this card and also for a whole bunch of stuff that isn't on the card. Uh, and especially for the two weeks that begin next Monday leading up to the gift day on the 7th. We're asking people to pray and to fast. And you will have seen in the notice sheet uh, last week a little bookmark thing that says that we're going to meet twice in the mornings and twice in the evenings during those two weeks to pray as a church. And everyone who says that this is their church, we'd love you to come if you possibly can. But also we're asking people individually to pray, small groups to pray, uh, and people to fast as well. Uh, And if you don't really know what the deal is with fasting, I'd encourage you to go on our website. Um, Last autumn, I did a talk called A Church That Fasts and just explains a little bit about what that's all about that we'd love you to listen to if you possibly can. So we're going to pray and fast. Uh, On the 7th, we're going to have our gift day and we're all going to give, not because we feel like we're being pressured into anything, hopefully, but because we want to and we're uh, giving generously and hilariously and cheerfully to what's going on. And then mid-October, things start to take shape. The first thing that we'll do is that James Juice uh, will join our staff, our staff team that meets in this, uh, you know, that works in our offices. He'll join part-time to begin with, building up to full-time most probably later on uh, or early next year. Uh, And it'll be his job to gather a team and to identify a place and to speak to local churches about uh, what we're planning to do uh, and ask for their blessing uh, and to to kind of um, run different fun days and different things to build up so everyone in the whole of the place, whether it's Stonehaven or somewhere near there, everyone knows what we're going to do building up to a launch day. Let me just say something specifically about James. Uh, James has been part of this church since the beginning of City Church. Um, He's a great leader. He's a great communicator. His strongest gifts are about gathering people and being right on the front end of evangelism and bringing people into the church who don't know Jesus. And so we believe he's absolutely the perfect person to just pioneer something and lead something forwards that will then become a model for what happens in the other three places over the next few years. Uh, And James and Tori will do that together, but particularly James will be on the staff to do that. And if you... uh, If you want to see the kind of quality, the calibre of leader that James is, then you just need to look at the street pastors thing, which has just grown arms and legs. He's he's, uh, developed that ministry in this city to become something that is really favoured by the police and the council and uh, nightclub owners and bouncers uh, and uh, is working with, uh, I don't know what the latest number is, maybe 80 people from 20 different churches all around the city. He's done a great job with that. Uh, and uh, so he's exactly the right person to just uh, spearhead this thing under our leadership, taking this thing forward um, from October onwards. At the same time as that, we're going to be um, uh, figuring out uh, about the city centre. We're going to have a review of all the different things that we do to try and solve the noose and monkey problem, uh, if you like. Uh, And so we're going to be... taking quite seriously a review of every single aspect of our ministry and saying, how can we do that better? How can we do that to reach more people? What does it look like to turn it outwards and to be much more missional in the way that it works? 
As well as that, we're going to have a bit of a, a review of this building and just try to figure out uh, what we need to spend on it to, to bring it up to scratch. Uh, and I've, uh, one of the things I've been doing over the last few weeks is looking at photos of the church through the ages. And I'll tell you at one point, this building was in quite good nick uh, and uh, probably needs a bit of help now. We need to look at disabled access, disabled toilets, the carpet, uh, lighting, technology, uh, loads of different stuff. So, so we're going to just be reviewing that and figuring out what we need to do to bring it up to scratch. January 2013, uh, with much prayer and fasting and sounding of trumpets, we start our new site on the south of the city. Uh, and then probably around next summer, so about a year's time, we then start the next one. Uh, and then we just keep doing that every six months or nine months or so, just looking to where is the next place going to be and how can we release that into being. Okay, so what are we asking everyone to do? You know, in a sense, I know I've spoken for quite a long time, but it's almost impossible to say this any shorter. And believe me, I've tried. Um, What we're asking is, number one, will you please, uh, there'll be a table on the stage after the service, will you please pick up one of these booklets that we've made? Um, uh, There's a whole bunch of information in there that I wasn't able to say this morning. And also there's the prayer card and the gift card that we'd love you to pick up as well. It's inside there. Uh, And we'd love you to have a really good read through and a pray and a think and and just bring it all before God in your own devotional times. Um, Can I just say briefly, um, Tricia Reed, who's part of our church, designed this. And uh, just a little plug, because she she did a fantastic job. She's made a really beautiful thing here, which I'm really proud of. And she did it really quickly, and she was ever so efficient. She communicated really well, uh, and she's done a brilliant job. So if ever you need any design work done, Trisha Reed, it says her name on the back, uh, she'd be a really good person to choose. But we'd love you to pick up one of those. At the same time as that, what we're asking people to do is to review their regular giving to the church. Please, and hear me clearly on this, please do not give to this uh, Spreading Life Together vision what you should already be giving to our church. And uh, it's funny how it works, isn't it? You know, you, you, you set up a standing order maybe to give money to the church and then over time uh, your salary increases, your situation changes, but, but often we just forget to, to look at our giving to the church. And also there are lots of people in this place who are committed members here, but for whatever reason they've never been able to give financially or felt able to. Can we ask you once again to bring your regular giving before God and to just say, God, is this the amount that I should be giving to the work and ministry of City Church? And um, you'll find on the table when it's laid out later on, um, if you need to set up a standing order to the church, that piece of paper looks like that. And the brilliant thing about a standing order is when you go on holiday, your money still comes to church. So uh, fill in one of those if you haven't already. And then if you're a taxpayer, any gift that you give, including the, um, the, the stuff for uh, spreading life together... Uh, if you haven't ever filled in a gift aid form, do that because the Chancellor of the Exchequer gives us 25p for every pound that you give and all you have to do is sign a bit of paper. So please do that. Um, And then on top of that, we're asking you to consider what you would give to this Spreading Life Together vision. And um, I suppose the process goes a bit like this. You you look at all of your regular outgoings and you, you figure out what you spend your money on and then you bring all of that before God and you say... God, which of these things that I give or or spend my money on at the moment could I go without for three years? And what could I 
replace that with? You know, what kind of a number could I write in this box? We would love you. If you love City Church, can I ask you please to put a number in the box? And then also what we're asking is for everyone to consider how do I make this more my place and and what area of service or ministry could I get involved in? And over the next while we'll be speaking about all kinds of opportunities for you to help with this stuff. Uh, And can I just encourage you to pray and to ask God uh, what that will be. Let me just finish with this and then I'll have to peg it down the road and say it all again. Um, How do we know this is going to work? There's two answers to that question. The first answer is that actually it turns out that this whole doing, site, doing church on, in multiple places is, is something that other people do as well. And to be honest with you, when we started this journey, we didn't know that. And so what we've done is we've made it our business to learn from people who are doing this stuff all over the world. And we've joined something called a leadership community, which is a gathering of eight churches from around Europe who are doing this thing. And, and uh, what we do is every, cu- every six months we gather for a couple of days and they bring in people from all over the world who are doing this thing, who are experts and who have thought it all through and we learn from them. And then the idea is that we all share what we're doing and we learn from each other as well. But to be honest, we just went to the first one and all we did was just write down things really, really quickly, uh, which is good. And so in one sense, you know, how do we know this is going to work? Well, we're trying to learn from the best, you know, from the experts. But the real answer... And you need to hear this. The real answer, how do we know this is going to work? We don't. We don't know this is going to work. But we believe that God is asking us to do it. And to not do anything would be a choice, would be a decision. And we think it would be a bad decision. So as Christians, all we can do is to follow what we believe God's asking of us with all of our hearts and walk in faith and trust him and let him worry about the success or whatever, what it looks like. Why don't we stand? Okay, so just to be clear, uh, we're going to be speaking about this stuff for the next, the following three weeks as well. Uh, we're going to open the Bible in a much clearer way over the next few weeks. Uh, but we'd love you, if, you're, if this is your place, or maybe you're visiting today and you're thinking, oh, this is intriguing, uh, come next week and hear about the next part of it. Let's pray.